welcome to another episode of Metal Mastermind. Your host and co-founder, Jason Stallworth, and also host and co-founder, the great... Ken Candelis. We're back. Here we are for another episode, man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, man, we've got, a, we've got an interesting episode. I know I always say that, but this is uh, really digging deep into... Really into the way we listen to music, Ken. You know, we we always kind of start the podcast before we start the podcast. We start talking about stuff, and it's like, hey, you know what? This would be a great topic. And the topic is modern music. How modern music is recorded. We won't get into the nitty gritty details of that, but how it's recorded and and what you're hearing, the end result, and what the uh, results of those results are for the listener and <laughs> Ken <laughs> uh, we're, we're talking about auto-tune man before we um you know before we actually hit the record button here dude I mean give me your thoughts on that man I, and we've talked about this before and and I know we might have some different perspectives but what what are your thoughts on the whole auto-tune situation on vocals um well um I forget the guys who made auto-tune um but they I, I remember that they they used it on share that was right. the first uh, instance of autotune. And uh, funny enough, uh, when they created autotune, they very much kept it a secret from everybody. They're like, you know, when people come over, like put the cloth on the device so people don't see it type of thing. And, <laughs> <laughs> and after a while, some one, one person, you know, goes like, hey, what's that? And then they're like, uh... I guess the cat's out of the bag now. But, but wait, let's back up one second, though. So Cher, Cher's been recording music her entire life since, what, 70s or whatever. I mean, so someone of her caliber and many people, she doesn't need auto-tune. I, I, and correct me if I'm wrong because I don't know the story, but they use the auto-tune to get that effect. So it wasn't to tune yes. her vocals. It was to get that really kind of just cool and different effect for if you believe in life after love, something like that, right? So it right. wasn't used for the purpose. Of, and again, I may be wrong, but Cher does not need auto-tune. <laughs> uh, I don't think most people who can who can sing really need it. And we'll get into that. But she used it as an effect to get an effect, kind of like I, I put some reverb on my vocals. It's an effect. It's not changing my, my pitch or anything. It's not correcting anything. It's just to get a different sound. So she wasn't using it for the purpose of, well, I need to make sure that my pitch is perfect. She was using it as an effect, right? Right. Yeah. And it's, it, it's changed over the course of many, many years. Uh, yeah. I mean, now you've got, um, you know, auto tune by Ontaris and you've got, uh, Melodyne, uh, by Solemony, which that's a, another very interesting backstory. It's actually Melodyne was created by a geologist. <laughs> wow, dude. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Studying earthquakes and seismic waves. Which, when you look at uh, Melodyne's like user interface, it makes so much sense now because it does look like a like a seismic chart. <laughs> wow, I have that by the way. And Stu Presona Studio One comes with like a light version. I've never used it; wouldn't even know how to use it. But I just I see it in there. Yeah, I think they use a, a something called like a ARA technology or something like that. And uh, basically, what that is, it's a, it's embedded into the program, so you can just uh, you know, use Melodyne uh, as if it were almost like MIDI information. It's really, really very powerful. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Auto-Tune has, um, you know, it's got a stigma around it nowadays that, you know, everybody uses it. 
And um, I've I've had this discussion with several people on the 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 proper use of auto tune, and it's it's a balance. You know, sometimes uh, I I've heard them you know create music and they do more auto tune than's necessary. And I said, you know, if you really want the person to connect with this song, uh, I think it's it's actually important to kind of lighten up a bit on the auto tune, like give a give a little more human element to it because when you hear it auto tuned, it's it's a style. Yeah, you you can totally attribute that it's a style, but um, there is something about auto tune that disconnects the person with the content that they're listening to. And I think at the end of the day, it all comes down to still the delivery, the performance. And, um, you know, if auto-tune is, uh, you know, lightened up and, and the performance then becomes really unable on its own to deliver the message, then that's where auto-tune becomes uh, a crutch. And that's what we need to try and avoid. Um, I, th I think there's a lot of integrity to still being able to sing. And if you're using auto-tune, it's really just for the nuance of it. Yeah. Well, see, I, I, I feel like, and it, let me just, I'll state my, uh, my opinion on this. Not that it matters because it doesn't, it's just Jason's opinion and, and who am I, right? But my opinion, it used to be a little bit different. It used to be like, well, auto-tune, why would anybody use that? But now after talking with Nick Z, I had a conversation with Nick Z. He's going to be mastering my album, by the way, uh, probably in about uh, less than two weeks. I'm going to be sending sending those files over to him to master. But we're talking about auto tune. I'm like, I don't want that on my voice, period, at all. You know, I am, and, and I'm not the best singer in the world. I, I will not <laughs> make any sort of claim. I know that I'm not. But if it's that bad to where I need auto tune, well, guess what? I'm going to go re-record it, and I'm going to try to I'm going to try to sing a little bit better. And if, if I get it to the point where it's acceptable to me, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm singing in key. I'm good. Any imperfections or nuances that I might have in that vocal performance, I want that. Because, Ken, I, I feel like we're missing the human element. So, so my stance is like, I don't care if anybody else uses it. Do what you want. It's your music. It doesn't matter to me. But me personally, I don't know that I ever want auto-tune to touch my voice or be anywhere near the track or anywhere even in the studio <laughs> on my records because I, I guess you take a little pride in being able to perform your own music you know uh if i'm going to go on stage well i'm not going to use some auto-tune so why would i use it in the studio and they actually make tuning pedals pitch pedals i, I have a pedal the mic mechanic i bought it for the compression reverb and delay because it sounds really good live but there's a pitch correction. Well, that level is all the way at zero. It is completely off when I perform live because <laughs> there's, there's no way in hell I'm going to perform live and, and have auto-tune. I, I, I feel like I'm cheating the audience if I do that. If I screw up, and it's not that I don't go flat or sharp sometimes. Again, I'm not the best vocalist out there, but I'll own, I'll own my own talent. I'll own my mistakes. I'll own my nuances. And I, I just feel like that I would rather hear the performance of that person's voice, whether it's perfect or not. There's no such thing as perfection for one. Even if you auto-tune something, that doesn't make the song perfect. It doesn't. Actually, I think, I, I feel like it just takes away, it takes away from the, and I, I and I'm sorry to ramble on this, because um, I, I know he has some things to, to say about it as well, but 
I feel like personally, and again, I could be wrong, guys. This is just my opinion, but I feel like that a lot of people, or I feel like that older music, you know, especially 70s and 80s, are, are st still listened to more than any other era of music. And it's revered in a manner that newer music's just not revered. We say that autotune's a new standard, but is that really a standard if people just, <laughs> if they're still listening to the old stuff more? And it, that could be nostalgia. That could be a lot of different reasons. But I feel like that uh, when, when people talk about new music, especially like metal and rock and that sort of thing, they a lot of people say, well, everything just kind of sounds the same. You know, uh, I think if that's the case, if that's true, I think the, the moving around of the drums and the auto-tune and trying to make everything perfect, that might be what's... <sighs> I don't want to say ruining music, but it might be it, it might be a thing. Well, uh, let me uh, give a little bit of insight here because um, when I was working on Good Morning America, man, uh, you would be so disappointed in how many people come on to that show with auto tune live for the show. <laughs> wow, dude! Yes, um, and the reason for it, I was told, was. Uh, the record labels simply uh, use it as insurance. They don't mm. trust that the artist is going to perform 100% all the time. Nevertheless, on a broadcast show that's going to be you know, put out to millions of people. Mm -hmm. So they said, no, uh, we know they can sing, but we just don't trust them enough to sing it correctly that day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, they, they utilize auto-tune um, quite often. And uh, we have uh, we have to run that through all the software uh, that we have on that on our end, and uh, we'll we'll record actually the dry vocal uh, separate in case auto tune fails. Oh, so wow. uh, it's it's kind of like yeah we're, we're, we split the signal uh, right from the microphone and uh, re record the dry, but it's not being used, um, and then it goes you know through the wet into uh, auto-tune and that's the one we typically use but if for some reason because auto-tune is a computer so if it, the computer fails live mm. on the show we always have a backup um but yeah no a lot of a lot of artists do that and uh it, it, interesting. If, if that's not much of a standard <laughs> for everybody else then i don't know what is because uh the record labels are absolutely even like requiring it it's kind of nuts um wow. you know in the case of uh you know doing a mix for somebody that that might be the case where it's like uh the record label won't allow it to not have auto-tune so it depends on who's in control and mm -hmm. uh that kind of uh you know requirement can be even against the artist's own wishes if they don't you know know about it then they don't but if they do know about it and they don't want it they may not be necessarily in control of it so um well, i guess that's one of the sense. that's yeah. one of the um the freedoms of being an indie musician you could say is you can yeah. you get to choose the novelty of not having to use auto-tune and i mean metal is by its nature always been such a very underground genre yeah, which yeah. Uh, has its roots in authenticity. So I I totally understand the uh, the concept of that. Um, and I've said this uh, sort of analogy before, but uh, when I talked to Michael Romeo about uh, my own music, Homeric, uh, 
um, it wasn't about auto tune. It was about um, drums and aligning the drums. And mm-hmm. he said, uh, or actually, it was not really about aligning drums because it wasn't that wasn't the issue. It was more about um, using samples. Okay. And um, I guess this is kind of a sil- similar relevance to uh, uh, using uh, auto tune because when you do when you do samples, it's not necessarily the authentic recording it's it's a it's an enhancement right right um it's artificial and so when you add that to your music uh, he 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 told me you know it says well this is a standard it's definitely something that's being used all the time right now uh but you know when he heard my original recordings he said uh they sound organic but they just they don't sound epic and uh you know uh, i was like okay um that moment just made me really kind of realized that what i was looking for with my own music wasn't actually very realistic at all it was a big epic sort of uh type of orchestration and it it, it was in in almost a sense uh, i don't know if you're familiar with the concept of like just japanese anime you know it's yeah, got pretty much, pretty much. it's got like this um this fantastical element that like anime might have Right. Um, and I needed to embrace that in order for my music to to reach the level that it it was supposed to. But in this case, it, it, it's it's a stylistic choice, and uh, that served the song by doing that. Uh, it doesn't work for everyone, though. Well, that's what it's about, right? It's about. And, and so let me let me back up for a second there. When I say I'm not using auto tune, and I, I don't care to use certain tools, it doesn't mean that I don't think. Other people shouldn't use them. Again, it, it, it's irrelevant what I think, for one. Um, I just kind of like to pass on the things that I'm doing for myself because it might encourage someone else. Like, you know what? Uh, I want, the, I want the, the real thing. I don't want to church it up. But if the song calls for that, like Homeric, it's much more in-depth than just guitars, drums, bass, and some vocals. Right? My, my, my album is, is just that. That's it. So I don't want to use a lot of elements, right? Cameron Fleury recorded the drums. Uh, he's a phenomenal metal drummer. Now, are his drums perfect every little beat? Is it perfect throughout the album? No, it's not. It's a very much an organic recording. It's mixed very well. Uh, but I'll take those little nuances and, and I'll, I'll allow that to bring the song to life. Whereas in your case, Ken, you're using some samples, you're using some things because your song, your music is it's much more than just a rock and roll or heavy metal album. This is a storyline, right. right? This is so I get it. I get it. You're we're talking about, you know, your album it could be compared to something Homeric can be compared to something like making making a Star Wars movie or Lord of the Rings or something like that. You know what I mean? So you've got a lot of theatrics and other things involved. So I get that, and that makes total sense. Um, and, I, and I'll even say, if I were in a band, uh, like you guys know I love metal. I mean, that's tried and true, but I also love acoustic. I play just as much acoustic as I do heavy metal. And I also, believe it or not, love a lot of like the 80s pop. Like I love the Pet Shop Boys. So if, I, if I'm going to start, Ken, if you and I are going to be the, the, the um, what we call ourselves, Pet Shop Boys, we call ourselves, what we call ourselves, um, I'm trying to think of a cool name. I can't think of anything. The, the Ken and Jason boys. All right. So if we're, if we're doing a, if we're a pet shop boys cover band, for example, and we're doing something like that, well, we may not even have a drummer. We would just have an electronic drum beat because that's what that style calls for. And you're okay with that. You know, um, I know a lot of the pop music, they, you know, that's just what they do and they use auto tune or whatever, but 
for me, for, for rock and roll and heavy metal, uh, for my albums anyway, I just I don't want that stuff used on my projects. Not this project anyway. Um, if I ever did like a, you know, you guys may not know this, but there was a time in my life where I listened to a little bit of the Euro techno and trance stuff. I kind of like some of that stuff because I, it's got the heavy synth in there. Cool. So your your beats and that because you don't really have a drummer for that. Those beats are are perfectly aligned at the what the 120 BPM whatever the magical BPM is, right? So so I get it in certain like you said the project the, the song whatever it calls for you do that, but I just don't you know I just don't feel like for my own music for rock, again rock and roll and heavy metal I feel like that if I use those tools it's going to take away from the life. It's going to suck the life right out of my music. I'd rather have some imperfections and own those imperfections and have those little nuances that I think that we don't realize that we're hearing from like the 70s and 80s, but they're there. There are those imperfections. There are the times when Kirk Hammett's finger slips off the fretboard during the Master of the Puppet solo. It's like, oh, that was a mistake. Oh, that was a good mistake. We're leaving that thing in there. You know what I mean? So that, that kind of... Uh, that kind of thinking around it. Yeah, I I think the core issue is many people they default to using auto tune, and I mm. think that's that's the error. I think we need to uh, consciously decide whether it's necessary or not. Uh, when you start off with a great recording, and that is literally like. A great performance is the first thing in our golden rules of recording. You've always so, said that, dude. You've always said we, that from the beginning. Yeah, we've always said that it's always have to be a great performance. And when you get a great performance, you know, auto-tune is not that necessary, um, you know, in these cases. So really, it needs to be either a, a tool because... You know, something needed either like a quick turnaround and, you know, we couldn't execute it the best way with the amount of time that we had left. So, okay, we got to use autotune to get it to the finish line. But it's not like, all right, from the get go, it's going to be autotune. And it's like, no, like, um, why not just focus on trying to do this right first? The only other way that using autotune in the beginning is okay is if you're using it as a stylistic choice of, uh, you know, emphasizing, like you have to emphasize the use of auto-tune, as you know, effect, like yeah. as an effect. Exactly. And so that I understand being used, but yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of let's get it right because, you know, with, even with like Homeric, you know, I'm using a, a, a tiny bit of Melodyne just to, you know, eat the performances where I want them. Sometimes I'm not even using Melodyne to correct pitch, but I'm using it to turn formants of a voice around. And formants are like these, you know, natural resonances that are in our bodies. It's what makes me sound the way I do. It's what makes you sound the way you do. So, and with auto-tune, you know, plugins, you can, you can attribute a change to make somebody sound a little bit different. Uh, and what I did was use that in order to make, you know, either Elizabeth sound a little bit more demonic or a little yes. bit more shrill, you know, just to make those slight little tonal changes. And that's really cool, in my opinion. You know, you also have other things like pitch shift and whatnot that have been around for a long time. Um, and those are also interesting tools to mess with. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, I always come back to 
you know, it's it starts with let's just get the best performance that we can. Um, and whether auto tune is even necessary or not. Sometimes when I run through the auto tune plugin, it's like it's actually not doing anything at all. Right, <laughs> because right. the performance was great, you know? Yeah. So we should always aspire to get a great performance and use auto tune if necessary as uh, as a secondary tool, uh, but not as you know, I need to rely on auto-tune because I just can't execute it the way I want to. That is not the way to use auto-tune. Yeah, I don't think most singers really, like 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 your wife, Ellie, you know, um, she has a great voice. And I, I don't know if she uses auto-tune on occasion or whatever, but in my opinion, she doesn't need it. Yeah. You know, because I, I, I hear her singing some live stuff like on her Instagram and stuff like that. I mean, she's she absolutely doesn't need anything for her voice. I mean, I can understand if you're going for some kind of effect or whatever. Uh, and for death metal, like you were saying, if we're singing some, you know, some demonic sounding vocals or whatever, right? Some deep, it's deep growls and stuff like that. Auto tune. There's, there's not really, <laughs> there's not really anything to tune there. You know what I mean? Uh, right. But, but if you're using it to get some kind of, some kind of different effect or sound out of it, yeah, I guess I get that. But no, I mean, it's a good conversation. And again, I don't want, and now the, the other side to this, I have a lot of respect for the sound engineers and people that mix. Because they're just doing a job. Their job is not to perform the music. Their job is to, and again, this is the flip side of things. And this, and I was kind of like, I, I'm mixing my own record, by the way, and, I, and I'm, I'm going to get some help, of course, Ken, from you, and just some ears. Uh, Eddie Bourne, drummer for Siren, he's he's got a really good ear. Uh, Cliff Feldman, Riff of Cliff, he, he's the face of Replay Guitar Exchange here in Tampa, and also guitars for Quasimojo. So I'm, I'm going to get people that are in the industry, active in in the industry. Uh, Brad Mater from Must Not Kill, I'll have him listen. And and again, yourself can give me some feedback on what you think. Um, because I, I think that's important to get people to get experts, you know, yourself and these other guys that are they're in the industry, they're out there doing it. Right. Uh, so yeah, I'll get feedback from them as far as the mixing process goes. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the best I can with what I have as opposed to sending it off to someone else. But if I were to send it to someone else, you know, Nick Z, he's going to master it for certain. We've already, uh, we've already got the, we already got that covered. But if I were going to send it to someone else, I'd have to make the decision to say, am I going to like hover over whoever's mixing, like do it this way? Or am I going to just like do my part and let them do their job? So that's, that's the other side to that. Like you were saying earlier, Ken, you know, if you're in a band, you're on a label, uh, the band members may not have a choice because the label might be saying, uh, we own your ass right now, so you're going you're gonna to just do whatever we tell you to do. Again, a part of being an independent musician, <laughs> right? Because you don't have to do that if you don't want. But to your point, though, uh, you know, there's that part of it. And then there's, there's, I do have a massive respect for anyone that mixes music and, and engineers and does this, like Nick Z himself. You know, people, he's a professional at it. He does it for a living. Bands go to him. They pay him. Uh, you know, good money to do what he does to make them sound great. So I have a lot of respect for that. Whether whether he uses auto tune or not, it's irrelevant. It's the overall big picture that he's that he's making sound great. And as an engineer, a mixing engineer, you're going to do whatever it takes to make it sound the best because your name is attached to that. So I understand that. You know, I do understand that. Yeah, uh, it's it's a tricky situation, man. Um, I think with when you're the engineer. And, uh, you know, you're trying to offer uh, your insight. Uh, you know, the artist may may listen or may not. 
And um, sometimes, you know, because we as engineers tend to be producers ourselves, we try to always think about what's what we think is best for the song. And uh, separating the two might be a little bit difficult, especially if you know that this is going to be something with your name on it, of course, as yeah. well. So they're trying to they're trying their best. <laughs> and uh, sometimes it's just a, a dicey situation because if you have, uh, you know, a rock solid, uh, you know, philosophy about about what you're doing here um, and you don't want to you don't want to waver on that. Um, you know, it's it's not up to them. It's up to to you to, uh, you know, make that clear. And, uh, you know, we will take that and say, you know, this is an absolute no go. OK, no problem. We'll move forward. Uh, we'll try our best to move around any roadblocks that get in the way if this was an issue. Um, I would just say that, you know, if if you're going that route um, and this is goes for anybody, just be prepared if, if there needs to be things that need to be re-recorded, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's that's going to be necessary. And, you know, that's what you're you have to do as your own producer when you're in when you're in the booth, when you're recording those vocals um, and being very honest and, and having somebody that you trust, um, you know, and. Tell me a little bit more about this, because you said, actually, very interestingly, before we got on here, that you were not going to record the vocals at your own place where you have your comfortable studio. Um, let's let's dive into that, because it's it's I think what you're you're telling me by doing that is, hey, I don't want to put my producer engineering cap on here. Yeah. I want to be the artist today. And so what what's that process going to look like for you? So, so I, I tried recording. Now I did record the vocals and I've recorded a lot of vocals in my, in my studio. Uh, it's a very small 10 by 11 room here. Most of you guys have seen it and it, it's not perfectly treated. I do have some sound treatment here. I've got some big, um, some blackout curtains and another heavy curtain for a, a filming, uh, part that I do, uh, where I film my courses at. So that, that does help absorb. They're very thick, uh, thick materials, thick cloth, but all that said, neither here nor there. Um, I did record the vocals for Masterpiece in 2019 in my studio. Uh, what I ran across this time, and I kind of ran across this last time as well, recording metal vocals, is that I get headaches. Now, keep in mind, guys, I sing live two to three times a week for three and four hours at a time. Of course, there's breaks taken, but you guys know I do live solo gigs, so I sing like every day and because I'm, I'm always doing vocal exercises thanks to uh ken's wife i keep calling her your wife but she's fiance dude i'm sorry that's uh, <laughs> okay I'm, I'm, I'm rushing their marriage here <laughs> i have to get used to that term yeah you gotta, sure. get used to, you gotta get used to the wife you know just remember happy happy wife happy life but ellie thanks to her vocal exercises and, and metal vocal virtuoso by the way check that course out uh metal vocal virtuoso that's an awesome course on metalmastermind.com, as well as Ken's theory course. He's got metal music theory, and we're talking about mixing. We've got Nick Z's mixing course there, too. Uh, so just a quick plug. Head over to metalmastermind.com after, after the uh, show here. But what I found more so than anything this is the pain point of singing and recording my voice, but then having not necessarily to produce and, and, you know, and that sort of thing, but just the pain point of having to go back to the doll every time and press stop, go back, delete, start again, and all that. It's like, oh my God, I don't want to be behind the console 
and trying to record my vocals. It just doesn't work. And I was getting headaches, getting very frustrated. Um, and I actually captured, there's one track that I may actually keep for the song, the, the, the album title song, Overcome It. Um, I like the vocals on it, but I had a massive headache after doing those. And I think a lot of it is just, I'm just, I'm feeling the stress and probably not using the proper breathing techniques. And keep in mind, again, I'm, I'm a trained, you know, I'm trained to this because I, I sing out two or three times a week, three to four hours a time. I have no issues singing live. I almost wish I could just sing live and just capture that and, you know, <laughs> go and go from there. But all that said, I've decided to go to another studio to record my vocals. Um, Cliff, again, the, the Quasimodo guitarist and, and face of Replay Guitar Exchange here in Tampa. Uh, I've, got a, I've got a session scheduled with him most of the day on Monday. We'll capture some good YouTube footage from that, too. Uh, but he he has uh, he has offered to help me do that, so he'll have the vocal booth set up, and he'll uh, that'll be where I'm singing, and I do not have to press any buttons. So I am so excited about this, and uh, and I think again, I think it's just the going more because I know how I want to sing the vocals, I know how I want them to go, and there's not really a lot of complexities, you know. Uh, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just real excited about that, man. It's one hundred percent. It comes down to you really, sh in in most cases, you shouldn't try to do everything. Uh, and I know a lot of people will say, "Well, I'm a self-made person. I do it all on my own." The problem is, you become your own weakest link. You're not good at everything. You're not the best at everything. So, I know that me trying to, you know, produce and engineer and then run the DAW and run the studio and record vocals, having to go back and forth, that doesn't work. And in order to really do that, well, I've got to have my mic in close proximity to the computer. Well, that doesn't really work out so well either. Um, and I don't have a standing desk, so, so I, have to go, I have to either lean over to operate the DAW or sit down. And, of course, you know, you don't want to sing sitting down. So all these little things, I know they don't sound like a big deal, but, but they kind of add up. So all that said, um, if you're a vocalist and you want to record vocals, I, I strongly suggest either go into someone else's studio and have them manage the doll while you just look pretty and sing. Or if you can get somebody to come to your studio and do that, I just prefer to go somewhere else. Um, I, I need, I feel like I need to be in a different environment. I feel like I'll do just better. I, I don't know if I can explain that why, but well, I think the psychology behind that is just like you are getting ready for a performance like you do when you do live. Yeah, yeah, you're you know? right. Yeah, and so it's 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 more of a mental game than anything else. And you know, this is the 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 other side of being like an indie musician, which is not that great. Which is you have all the technology and the comfort in the world to be able to make everything you want at home, but is it the right place to do it? <laughs> you know, right. there's still right. value in going to a place and preparing yourself to make the final performance that you seek for your album. Yeah. You know, like I have, you know, drums and cars and I could get microphones to do it all here at home, but I may not choose to do that. I may choose to take my drums and lug them all the way into another studio in Manhattan yeah. Just for the, the simple fact that when I go there, I know I'm ready to perform and we are going to get the best sonic capture, uh, you know, way better than what I can acquire here at home. Um, just because, you know, simple things like, hey, playing in a big drum room sounds awesome. Oh, man. <laughs> you know? So those kinds of things and even as simple as just like a vocal, like 
yeah. you know, uh, like the guys from like Kill Switch Engage, I know they 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 go and rent out, you know, vocal studio time uh, to make their vocals, you know, you know, sound the best that they can be. Yeah. They're not recording from home, man. They're 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 doing it right, and um, you know, studios still have value for that purpose. Um, they do, and- they do. And Cl- like Cliff has, he's he has a home studio, but his room's bigger than mine, and he has a little bit more professional setup than what I have. And and plus, he's he's a good engineer. He's good behind the console and all that. You know, I've heard I've heard his stuff, and uh, it just. But you mentioned the ambience, like, and I remember you going to Kia Studio to record drums yeah. for you know Metal Songwriters Forge, our songwriting course, and and of course, uh, you are your master. The song that, that Ken and I wrote and released, uh, Ellie, Ken's wife. We'll just just yep. do wife instead of fiance. It's easier. <laughs> one, one syllable instead of two. <laughs> she her, she sounds amazing on that. By the way, I, I love her vocals. I love the the diversity she has. And um, but you recorded drums there, and I just remember seeing you on the video. I'm like, you know, I, I told you this, Ken. I'm like, Ken is in his element right now. He is there, right there. You know, um, and I I kind of think of it like we like to cook at home sometimes, right? My wife, she can make some pretty mean Thai food. I love it. Uh, I can grill a good steak, good stuff. But you know what? There are a lot of times when we want to go out to eat. We love our mom and pop places, you know, or maybe we go to a good steakhouse or something like that just to be out for the ambience, you know, the food's good at home, but it's good out there too. But sometimes you just want a different, you want a different ambience. You get a different feel for that. So I kind of look at recording like that. Uh, Like my studio, I can record guitars. I write here. I record guitars here. I mic up the amps. I can record the bass tracks here. I can do that all day, every day here, right here in my studio. Actually, I probably prefer to do it here um, because I feel like I have just ultimate freedom. But vocals, yeah, I, I already know. And of course, we'll talk about this later. I already know that it's going to be it's going to be spectacular compared to what I can do here on my own because I've got somebody. It's kind of like I'll give you another analogy. It's kind of like going to lift weights. You know, you're on the bench press. Uh, you've got some heavy weight, man. Recording vocals to me, it's it's kind of heavy weight, right? You can do it by yourself, or you can ask someone to come spot you. So that way, if you get stuck, they can just lift the bar off of you or help you out or motivate you, whatever. So I kind of attribute it to having a spotter as well. You're not on your own. You're not, you know, you're not responsible for everything that happens that day. Again, you you just show up, look pretty, and sing. You know. Yeah. yeah. Or even like back to that analogy of cooking. It's like that's the difference between just eating a meal at home and making it a date. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's, it's just these kinds of differences they're psychological differences man and they're so powerful and i mean how many times are we you know talking about oh we we got a set a vibe for the studio man yeah. and it's like <laughs> well yeah why do we got a set a vibe because there's a mental game with all of this and i tell so many of my students uh in in all the places that i teach it's hey this is not really an engineering industry this is a people industry. You are there to manage people's emotions in the moment and capture that detail at an at at, at, at a quality recording uh, spectacle for this. You know, so um, they sometimes forget that, and they <laughs> end up always coming back to me and being like, you know, why didn't this work? You know, or you know, I I can't seem to figure this out. And it's like, well, okay. The things that you learn in 
you know, in a, in a, in a, in a trade school or, or a college or, or anything about refining the skill is all because the, the purpose of refining your skill is to eliminate the roadblocks for the creative flow. So the creative flow needs an uninterruptible power supply. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> a, a UPS like we use for our own, you know, our own uh, computers and gear, right? Why do we need a UPS? Because if the power goes out, it doesn't interrupt the flow, right? Because we got a battery backup, right? And it's kind of like that too, man. You're working out all the kinks so that, you know, you have a smooth uh, performance, a smooth uh, studio session. That's what it's all about. Um, it's all about them, the, the, the you know, performer the artist that's in the booth you're serving them so that it can serve the song um because nothing's more important than the song so um you got to get that in your head and if you need to get out of your comfort space of being in your own studio but you know you're trying to cut corners because you don't have you know the right acoustic treatment you don't have the right microphone you don't have the right things to make it happen go to a studio spend the money, you know, get the time. It will save you so much time in the long run by just having a fantastic recording. Um, you won't regret it. You really won't. Uh, I feel like many times we get too comfortable uh, saying, ah, we don't need to go to this place or that place, you know, do it for yeah. your own guitars, man. Like, uh, you know, it, even though, you know, you have the freedom of being at home, it's like you could record DI. You could record and then like mic it up in a in a proper studio for like the ultimate tone if you want to you want to go that route you know it, you could do that yeah then yes you um, could totally do that um and don't be it, your it, weakest it link be a right? lot of fun yeah don't think, be your weakest link yeah don't be your own weakest link guys um that's that's the thing uh yeah and yeah you can do everything at home but again it goes back to what ken said earlier and we you know we talked about this when we first started metal mastermind a couple years ago uh ken you brought up the golden rules of recording and i didn't even know what those were of course i understood them once you once you uh once you put it out there but one of those rules were the performance was the performance get a good performance you gotta that's first and foremost it doesn't matter auto-tune or no auto-tune moving stuff around if you can't capture that great performance and just the life that that gives then i mean your, your record your song's not going to be that great and i think that was the beauty of some of the old old recordings you know a lot of bands would just go in the studio and record together so that may even bring another element and I, totally. course, I, don't, I don't do this because i'm a solo guy i, I had to hire out the drums and i got recording tracks but the bands that recorded together back in the day you know and then had it mixed after the fact i mean there was magic man because that's a that's a band performance it's like okay you hear the performance right you you hear the record but it's almost like a live record because a lot of those bands were recording it right there they were doing it right there so you got a different feel you got a different vibe and i if you want to get into the kind of the, the fluffy spiritual side of things and, and, you know, that that earthy type thing, it's like you have something magical that's being created with people together. And I, I think that there's something there's something to that. In fact, I'd love to get with a band, be a part of a project that that's how we record. We just go in the studio and we play. We all play live. No backing tracks. 
nothing, maybe a click track to, to count off or just have the drummer count off, you know, uh, but just record the whole thing live and, and, and mix that live recording after. I think that would be magical, dude. Oh yeah. I mean, um, my, I don't, I don't talk too much about four trips ahead, but four trips ahead is very much like that. We go, we go a little more old school. Yeah. You uh, guys are rock and roll. You guys are pure rock and roll, dude. Yeah. It's uh we call it melodic hard rock. You know, we get in yeah. there and it's, um, it, it's very much okay. The four of us are in the studio yeah. and we're all going to record and um, we feed off of each other's energy. Oh, I love and, it. Um, <laughs> Yeah, we're running through, you know, an SSL G plus uh, 4000 console. And it sounds like freaking amazing because it's the right performance, the right instruments when we record them. Yeah. You know, you got the right room, the right microphone, the right placement of the microphone, and you got the badass preamps that come from this SSL. So... You know, it's all the six points of what we've been talking about of the golden rules. And that's why, you know, I'm so proud of, you know, everything that Four Chips Ahead has made. Um, yeah, and it's one of the reasons why I love continuing to play with these guys, because at the end of the day, we we all do this because we want to make good music, you know, and that's really where our heart's at. But we also treat this um, professionally like this is getting it up a notch you know we we will rehearse for years <laughs> to then get into the studio and, and say hey we're ready you know let's rock and roll and we we nail all the songs in one day um because we know them like the back of our hand you know it, it, it's it's just so important man um i can't overstate it enough and going back to the very beginning of our podcast of talking about like autotune you realize, you know, when you're so overprepared for something like that, man, it's like, who needs auto? <laughs> there you go. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, four trips ahead, I, I need to listen to more of you guys. I remember listening for the first time um, a couple months ago. I'm like, man, this is, a, I, I'm impressed by four trips ahead. This is a, it's just a, it's a solid rock and roll band. You know, I, and you can, I don't want to say that four trips ahead, that your band is bringing back anything because I, I don't. I'm starting to get away from that concept of like, well, we need to go back to the seventies and eighties. Like, I get it. There are a lot of things that are better, but there are a lot of things that maybe weren't as great, you know, I you know, want go ahead. Well, I just, I just, I want us to think of like not going back to bring something back, but creating something new. You may be using some, some different tactics than what the quote unquote standard is, which I don't, I don't really believe that's a standard, right? I don't think that it's better. I don't think that auto-tune saying that's a higher standard, that doesn't make it better. Okay. We, we've got to get that concept out of our head. Sometimes it makes it worse, right? But, but you guys going back to maybe a, a more, um, a, an older school method of recording doesn't mean that you're back in the seventies or eighties. You're creating music that's yours. Four trips ahead. I've heard you guys, you guys sound authentic. You don't sound like anybody else. But yeah. you're you're using you're just using some organic tactics to capture that raw energy and that raw emotion that you get. If that makes sense. Well, it's it's a modern sound for sure. Uh, you know, we've got modern recording techniques applied to Four Trips Ahead. But I think you know uh, uh, something that's actually funny that I'm I'm glad you said. Uh, you know, we're we're not necessarily bringing back from the from an era, but we're right. reclaiming it. Mm. And okay, and it's I like funny that because. Uh, 
that's actually four trips' slogan reclaim rock music i love oh, it yeah and uh i love that too because it's the spirit of rock it's the spirit the intention of rock but it's totally modern in its approach and its sound and it's progressive and it's got uh you know every ounce of making something in the 21st century so i think uh you know that's that's important you know you can still retain the spirit of what it is that you want and use modern techniques as long as you don't l allow those modern you know tools to be your crutch you don't want that right. you want to always have the music and the performance stand on its own two feet um that's that's the best that i can you know summarize in all of this um it's been a great conversation with you jason Man, it has been, dude. So, uh, speaking of that, I think it's time for our song of the week, guys. Well, <laughs> what did I'll, you choose for this week? <laughs> yeah, I'll start out with, um, I, I'm looking at it on my phone right now, too. Um, as, the song is called Destroyer of the Universe. And this was released on an album called Searcher Rising back in 2011 by the Swedish death metal band Amon Amarth. I love this song, dude, because it just gets very brutal. I can tell you there's no auto-tune or moving around of stuff in this thing, man, because it's just, it's just a brutal tune. Destroyer of the Universe, track three on Amonomarth's album, Searcher Rising. Yes, good, good stuff, man. Their, uh, their Viking stuff is just incredible, man. Yeah. Their live shows are credible, dude. You're talking about, uh, you're yeah, talking about, oh, dude. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, they got the horns in the background. They brought up, when I saw them, I think it was in 2017, uh, 18, something like that, in Ybor City in Tampa. Uh, they brought out, like, archers and all that. They had swords. It's just such cool theatrics. That's incredible. Um, my, uh, my, my, my song of the week is More Than Meets the Eye by Testament. Um, I love Testament, and I've always felt like this one from the Formation of Damnation. That's the album. Um, yes. I love the galloping feature in this. Uh, I feel like, and I, I, I've had a chance to work a little bit with Alex Skolnick in, yeah. in my in my experience here, and it's just been uh, awesome seeing the guy play. I mean, that guy is literally a machine. He is so good at what he does. He's yeah. too good. <laughs> no, he's he's phenomenal, dude. No doubt. What I, and I love about Alex is, uh, I mean, he can shred, right? But he his solos speak to you in a different way that a lot of guitar player solos do, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, he can do the fancy stuff, and that's great and all, but the what he comes up with, you know, we're, we're talking about how music impacts you, what he comes up with, the melodies and the things that he puts out there, they're just captivating. I, I remember the first time here in Practice What You Preach. Yeah. Uh, just the solos in that were just amazing. Man, it just crazy. That entire album, amazing. So, yeah. Good stuff. Well, guys, we want to thank you so much for being a part of Metal Mastermind. Um, we really do appreciate you. We're using a new podcast tool today, uh, Riverside FM. So once we edit this, we'll see how that works. <laughs> Switching over from Zoom. Uh, but real quick, guys, head over to MetalMastermind.com and check out our courses page. There's a lot of good stuff for you there, and we're working on some new stuff for you as well. So go to MetalMastermind.com. Check out our courses for metal musicians. Thank you guys once again. As always, create your own sound.